So we do have a guest speaker today, and I'm going to introduce him and have him come up in just a moment. I, I just want to say before I do, so um, Jeff Garner has been, uh, I think it was 2008 when I first met Jeff, and he had visited down here for a couple of church plants that were gathered together, and he gave a message, and he talked about uh, Moses um, when he first when he, when he had to leave Egypt, when he was exiled, you know, and he spent that time 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, are you surprised I remember this? <laughs> because, and, and he talked about that issue of Moses' his whole life thought he was Egyptian. He grew up in the palace, and then he learned he was Hebrew. And then when he tried to stand up for that, it, it backfired on him. And so imagining him out in the wilderness and just being, who am I? I, I was told that I was this, and then I was told that I was this, and I feel God doing this in my life, and who am I? And uh, it was such a powerful message that here, nine years later, <laughs> I can, it still rings true for me. Um, but Jeff has been an influence since that time in my life. Um, Vince has known Jeff longer than I have. They, they are cousins, so they're family. They know each other through that. But he's, his whole life. Uh, and they have, uh, Jeff has, has poured into our church back when we were anchored gas lamp. He, there were many times where if, if Jeff had, if, if God had not used Jeff's consistent voice in our lives, I don't know how it would have held together. And so he has represented just the grace of God in our lives. And I could talk to you about the degrees he has. I could talk to you about how many years he's been in ministry. I could talk to you about the amazing church in San Francisco, uh, Lighthouse Church. And, and if you are ever visiting San Francisco, just visit there. We just visit there on a Sunday and, and say you're from, from down in New City because we're family. But, but more than all that, I want to say that Jeff is the real deal. He's not going to come up here and give you something super pretty, and you don't have to be wondering, does he live this out? Because he lives it out. And I just feel so thankful and so blessed to have him uh, here today to speak to our church and to encourage us. And so if you guys would welcome him with me with a round of applause. Very nice. <laughs> Thank yes, you, sir. Kenny. It's a great joy to be with uh, New City today on this. Uh, man, it's beautiful out there. It is just lovely. And uh, to be with uh, uh, Vince and family, it is, it, it is a, just a, it's a special treat to, uh, to be down here. My, my uh, dad lives in San Diego, so I get down here every once in a while and get to hang out with him and then always tag in with uh, Vince and, and Kenny. But um, yeah, great. Great joy being here. I love this church, and I love the spirit, the the presence of Christ that that's that's in this church community. And I was just sitting over here during the worship time. I was just, yeah, just feeling his his presence, you know, so real and and um, yeah, intangible. So um, thank you for uh, allowing me to to be here. How in the world did you remember that? From I was like. I, at first, I was like, I, I spoke in 2008? Was I really here then? And I don't even remember. That's amazing. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's awesome. There's one thing that I'm really struggling with here today. That picture up on the... Please don't put it back up. <laughs> Look, that picture is 
is on our, web, our church website, and it's been a point of contention with my son for about four years. He is about six foot two now, and he's almost 18. And we have, yeah, he got off the website, but he, he said his friends, his friends at school will pull it up. And they're like, oh, Jed, you look like Justin Bieber or something like that. He cannot stand it. He's like, you've got to take that down. I was like, well, we'll get to it sometime. And this has been years now. So, um, oh, my goodness. Now, now it's on. It behooves me, now that I see it, to, to take it down and put something else up. Thank you, Kenny. Um, you know, about, uh, I guess it was about 2015, my, uh, my son went to, we, we felt to take, ask him to go to a, a PK retreat. It's really funny, growing up in San Francisco and not being, around a, not being around a lot of churches, he had no idea what a PK was. He was like, Dad, what's a PK retreat and why are you sending me to that? And I was like, well, some of our friends think it'd be good for you to go to it, and a PK means a, means a pastor's kid. And he's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. He said, Do I, well, I know anybody. I was like, no, you won't know anybody there, but, um, you know, it'd be a good thing for you to go to it. And he's like, okay. So he goes to, this, goes to this PK retreat, and he's trying to figure out what a preacher's kid is. Um, and, uh, and, and, and they did a lot of fun activities, and he didn't know anyone, so he was trying to get to know people. And, and, and um, he tends to be a little bit more on the quiet side. And then once he gets to know you, he'll kind of open up and talk a lot more. But uh, on the last night, uh, they had a speaker come in, and um, and uh, was one of the... Uh, um, uh, leaders of the of this event, and uh, she he said he was telling me about. It. He said like it started at like six thirty, and the service went to like eleven o'clock at night. And I was like, man, that's. I was thinking to myself, man, that's old school, <laughs> right? Because I mean, for us, I mean, he's everyone's checking their watches like about you know forty five minutes in on a Sunday. They're like, all right, are we going to be wrapping this thing up? But can you imagine going from six thirty to like eleven o'clock at night? But he said it was so awesome. I lost track of time, and um, I remember at one point this girl that was sharing, she started ministering to people, and um, she would you know call out one of the kids that was there and just kind of pray a blessing over them, and. Um, he said, I think they called it something like prophesying or something like that. But they were like, she would say something really positive, like really encourage them, almost like she knew something about them. And then the kids would start crying, you know, and he was like, it was really good. But it was a like good kind of cry. You know, it was like, it was really good. And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. He said, well, towards the end, I was like, well, man, I don't think she knows me. Well, I don't hardly know anyone here. And she hasn't called me out. She probably doesn't know anything about me to say. And he started feeling kind of really heavy in his heart, like, I just, I just want, I want to be, I, I want to know that God knows, notices me. I want to know that, hey, what, you know, what about me? Hey, pick me, God, over here. I want to play on the team. You know, kind of one of those, kind of one of, one of those perspectives. Like he was really wanting to be, you know, noticed by God, seen by God. And um, so he, he kind of got down like this uh, behind one of the rows of people that were in front of him. And he just kind of said, Jesus, if, if you hear me, would you let her say something about me too? And um, he lifted his head up and she said, uh, um, I'm not sure what your name is, but he's like, Jed. She's like, Jed, would you stand up for a minute? And so he stood up 
And, uh, and then she gave him this awesome word, you know. One of my friends that was there captured it on video so, and sent it to me. And I, you know, I was like, you know, all crying and snot. And I was like, that's so awesome. He was at a PK retreat. He didn't know what a PK was and God's speaking to him, you know. So this is what's really cool with this. So I, I go to pick him up from the airport because this event was in Arizona. I go to pick him up from the airport. He flies in, gets in the car, and I'm like, we're going to have this conversation about God's voice in his life. So we're driving back from the airport. I look over and I said, hey, Jed, um, how was it? Oh, it was awesome. He tells me about some of the stuff. And um, then he says he had a couple questions about the voice of God. So he asked me some questions about God's voice. And I'm like, well, what did God speak to you at that night? And he was like, uh, I, I don't know. And I was like, I was kind of puzzled at first. I was like, well, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, that was, that was pretty significant. I mean, if, I mean, if you're getting a, like a word like that, I mean, don't you think it would be? So I was kind of leaning that direction. And then he just kind of cut me off and he was like, I, all I could think about was God heard my prayer. And that he was talking with me. And that that's all that mattered. And he was like, I was just so caught up in that. I didn't even hear what she was saying. I was just going, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I was like, that is such the appropriate response, isn't it? To be so in awe of God that you, you're, you just kind of forget for a moment like what's being said, what's happening. And you're already, you're kind of caught up in worship. You're just caught up in going, Wow. That's amazing. And I think, you know, when um, we talk about listening and hearing, hearing, God, hearing God's voice, um, knowing that the voice is really the treasure, more than anything else, his voice and the presence of his voice in your life is the true treasure that, that we have, that we possess, that's, that's given to us. And Jesus identifies with this right in the wilderness when he says, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the treasure is not being able to turn stones into bread. The treasure is not being able to, you know, make something happen, to have possessions, to have the ability to, you know, be a, a, bre be a bread-making machine. The treasure is not, you know, I can turn stones into bread and I can make a lot of money with this and I can, you know, have the power of, I can do a lot if I have this ability. The treasure is not that. The treasure, Jesus says, is the voice. I want the voice in my life. I want that voice speaking to me. So I would like to just direct our attention to our, to our text this morning. And, um, and it's, it comes from Acts, the, uh, the 16th chapter, and it's about four verses here that we're going to read, um, four or five verses, beginning with uh, verse 6, and we'll go all the way down to verse, um, verse 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycia and went down to Troas during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, 
we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Uh, the word of the Lord. I, as I read this, this um, little portion of scripture, many, um, many experts see this as kind of being a pivotal, the, 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 the point at which the book of Acts pivots. There's a, there's a shift, something happens in the 16th chapter, and, it, and it's almost like it launches, the gospel launches, the kingdom launches into this whole new place. And I think what's really fascinating with that shift are these two, I guess you could say, there's these two moments in the narrative here where we see that the Holy, the Holy Spirit, um, Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit is keeping them from preaching the word in Asia. And then, and then the other language that he uses is that the um, spirit of Jesus won't allow them to go north up into Bithynia. So they're being... And we're not exactly sure what's going on here. I think, you know, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is this empowering presence. And so there, there's a, they're, they're aware that that empowerment is not with them to go into Asia. And then when they try to go north um, into Bithynia, there, the, it says the presence of Jesus stopped them. So there's a certain sense of, we, we take that to be kind of a certain sense of grace. There's not grace to go up north. There's not, empower, there's not a power to go to Asia. There's not grace to go up to the north. And, and I mean, it could be several things. It could have been that there was a, um, some natural disaster that, you know, happens, and then they interpret the natural disaster as, you know, God is, God is in control of everything, and so we're just going to say that we can't go there. It could have been that. It could have been quite literally, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to Paul and just saying, no, don't, don't go that direction. Go this other direction. So that's the first thing that sticks out to me. Like that, if you look at, if you tr walk through the book of Acts, something you're going to notice about the voice again and again is that from Acts chapter two, when Peter gets up and preaches on the day of Pentecost and he says, you know, this is the, 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 the last days. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last day says, God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. When he says that, every single significant pivot movement forward is preceded by a vision. There's a vision that leads it. The Spirit of God speaks to the people. And, uh, and so, just to give you a quick a couple of examples of this, when the gospel is being moved into Samaria, when the gospel's being moved into Judea, the, the vision that happens is Stephen, when he's being stoned, he has this vision of Jesus at the, you know, at the right hand of, of, of the Father. And in that moment, the church is scattered into Judea and Samaria, and the gospel is preached. And that's Acts, you know, chapter 8. Well, when the gospel then is being preached to the Gentiles, Peter has a vision of a sheet with all these unclean animals being lowered down, the Lord saying, rise up and eat. And then he goes to Cornelius and preaches the gospel to Gentiles, and the gospel then advances to the next place. And so we come here to chapter 16, and in chapter 16, the gospel, the Lord's wanting the gospel to cross over the borders from uh, Asia Minor, Asia, from uh, what would be, you know, current Turkey, and cross over into Europe. And this is a huge movement, and many historians say this is perhaps one of the most significant moves in the development of Western civilization is when Paul crosses over into Europe to, to proclaim the gospel. And what we see going on here is that the Spirit has an agenda. 
God has an agenda. Then he's saying, not this way, not this way. There's, there's a, no, a clear no and another clear no. And they're kind of wandering, making their way through this. And then there's this other development, if you look closely, that happens right here. Like the question we could ask is, well, what is so important about this? And I would say we might not have the book of Acts. We might not have the book of Luke had they not been discerning of where the voice was leading them. Look at this with me. If you, if you notice here, it says um, Paul and his companions in verse 6 traveled throughout the region of Phrygia. And it, it, you know, um, some translations have it, you know, more literal translations would be, and they traveled throughout this region of Phrygia and Galatia. Um, and then if you get to verse 7, and when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried, you know, and then in verse 19, during the night, Paul has this vision. And then in verse 10, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we. And there is this clear moment somewhere between all of the no's, Luke joins this crew. Luke joins in this journey. This is the point at which Luke becomes part of this entourage. And then he begins to write the history, record the history that gives us both Luke and gives us the book of Acts. He becomes a part of that. Uh, The second thing that I think is worth pointing out is that when, because they're sensitive to the voice and they're following the voice, if you look at the very uh, end of verse 10, it says, um, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to those in Macedonia. Like they're putting together all of the evidence of what's been going on. This door's closing, this door's closing, this is happening, this is going on. Oh, Paul has a dream, you know, a night vision. And in this night vision, someone's saying, come over here and they go. And so then they put all the pieces together and, they're, and they go, let's listen to all of, the, all of the facts, all of the evidence here, and let's draw a conclusion as to what God is calling us to do. And so they make the conclusion based on this door closing, this door closing, Paul getting this dream, and they step into what perhaps is one of the most profound movements of what happens in Philippi that we get of the, of the multifaceted uh, work of the gospel, where you have the three individuals, right, in Philippi. You have Lydia, the seller of purple, very wealthy woman who comes to believe in the gospel by a riverbank. You have the girl that is a slave, that is a, a, diviner, of the, uh, a diviner of the spirit of Python, that is able to be delivered by the power of the gospel. You know, when Paul rebukes the spirit that is in her and frees her. And then you have the jailer who would be an ex-military guy uh, that's running the jail facility there and him coming to understand the gospel through the idea of honor. You know, like he's wanting to fall on his sword and yet he, he sees Paul and Silas are men of honor. The gospel has made them men of honor. And then he comes to believe the message by watching and observing their honor. The, the, the girl that is uh, bound and possessed with the spirit of Python, the diviner, she is delivered by the power of the gospel. And then you have Lydia that comes to believe by the beauty of the gospel. So the honor of the gospel, the, 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 the power of the gospel, and the beauty of the gospel is what all three of these, and you get all of them in this one city in, in, in Philippi, you know, they, they all come. Now, here's what I really feel on my, kind of on my heart to share uh, with you in the next just couple of minutes here as it relates to the voice of God. And that is the idea that of us becoming aware of the doors that God is closing 
so that we can become aware of where he is leading us. And many times when a door is closing, we get frustrated and we just kick against it, right? <laughs> Come on. You know, and even, even the, uh, the, the, the Lord on the Damascus road says to Paul in a vision, says to Paul, isn't it hard for you to kick against the pricks? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you can keep kicking against those goads if you want, but you're, you're not going to get anywhere. And so sometimes, you know, to have this sense of God is directing our life as a community, as a church community, God is directing my life personally, individually, he's directing, directing my life as family, you know, my, 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 my family, he's directing us, and I have to have my ears open, my eyes open, being aware, like listening with my eyes, you know, to what he's saying to me so that I can follow and flow with where he's directing me. My son in, um, uh, my son's an average, I would say an, a- an average student. His sister, which, who's older, would be the, you know, she'd be the one that's a little bit uh, above average. Um, she'd be above average student when it comes to academics. You know, that's just kind of where they, where they are. And um, he, he's like, works hard, you know, studies hard, tries his best. And um, one night in January of this year, he had... Uh, I, we didn't know, my wife and I, we didn't know this was going on, but he was staying up to like two and three o'clock in the morning studying, trying to, trying to improve his grades. And he was getting so frustrated, you know. He doesn't do well taking tests. He's not a good test taker. He's better at writing papers, just, you know, all of those things. And then you, you get anxious. And if you're staying up that late and then you're getting up at six or seven in the morning, you're not getting much sleep. I mean, it just, it's just a recipe for disaster. And uh, so late one night, he's up studying for uh, a test and he starts crying. And he's sitting, sitting in my office, and he's crying, and he, and he feels the pressure of, um, no one's going no one's gonna to let me, no one's going to welcome me into a college. I will not be accepted into a college. I will not be admitted into a college. I, I, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. He's struggling with all of that, all of those emotions, and he, then he feels like, I'm not going to be a success with my life. I'm going to be a failure. And he's sitting there, he just starts crying. And, and then he just says, kind of, just kind of whimpers out of his mouth, God, help me. I need you. I can't do this. And he says, um, if you would just talk to me. And he was thinking of the, the last time that someone had given him a prophetic word, you know. He was thinking, if I could just be assured right now the, the, I, the, I can hear you. I, I think everything will be okay. And he's saying that. And this goes on from what he tells me. It went on for 10, 15 minutes or so. And then he leaned back in the chair and looked over at one of my bookshelves. And there was this book that was there. And, and he, he was just curious about the book. He, he said, I just felt like that's, that's a, the name of the book is Upside Down Kingdom. He thought, that's, that's, a, that's a weird title for a book. So he kind of pulled it out and flipped it open and his eyes were drawn to this one paragraph that was paraphrasing the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Paraphrasing in it in the sense of, don't be like the people of this world who worry about what college they're going to get into, what career they're going to have, how successful they're going to be, how much money they're going to make, but rather... Seek first my kingdom, and all of these things will be added to you. And he says to me, when he tells me later, he said, all of that 
anxiety, all of that stress, all of that feeling of I'm going to be a failure. In one moment, it was just taken off of me. And he said, I think that God spoke to me through that. Is that possible? (laughs) And I was like, it felt there was a lot of peace in it. You felt like all the stresses and the worries of trying to, yes, that would probably be the voice of God in your life. So then I said, what was he saying to you? And he said, well, he's telling me to seek his kingdom. And I was like, all right, what is his kingdom? What do you think his kingdom is? What's the first thing that comes to your heart? He said, to spend this summer working with refugees. I think that's that's what hits my heart. I was like, all right. Let's do this. Let's figure this out. Where do you, where do you want to go? He's like, I want to go to Thailand. I was like, okay. <laughs> Let's, we'll, we'll figure that out. So we have a, we have a, we have a yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want to go to Thailand, right? I mean, <laughs> great food. I mean, anyway, so I said, I said uh, we, have a, we have a girl in our church that's gone on several uh, missions, and she's... Uh, She's been a great inspiration to both my daughter and my son, and she's just, you know, full of, just full of God's presence. So I said, why don't you go talk to Christy and then, and see if she got some, she has some connections. So he does. He goes and talks with her. Like we're trying, now we're trying to figure this out on our own. So he goes and talks to Christy and um, Christy says, oh yeah, I know a guy in Thailand works with refugees. Um, I'm going to connect with him. So we connect with him. His name's Michael. It's part of this program called Seeds. And uh, we connect with him and it's like, he's like, yeah, come on over, hang with me. It's going to be great. We'll have a great time. So we think that's all together. Then all of a sudden, around the first week or so of, maybe first or second week of, of March, of May, he calls and says, hey, I'm having to cancel the trip because it should, things, aren't, things just aren't going to work out. I'm having to come back to the States. Someone in my family is really sick, and I have to come back to the States. And Jed's like, oh, man, kind of bummed. I said, well, talk with Tim and Carol. They've got all kinds of con- YWAM contacts in all over the world. She's like, so he talks with Carol, a number, member of our church. She's like, oh, yeah, I know 80 organizations. We'll, get, we'll, get, we'll take care of it. And just as backup... You know, I call another friend of mine who's got contacts all over Thailand. I mean, all in all, there's like well over a hundred like places he can go in Thailand, right? I mean, we're gonna we're we're gonna make this happen. So he starts emailing one right after the other, and we start getting emails back. Ah, it's too late. Next year, one after another of no, no, no. We're coming into a week, the week going into um, um, Memorial Day weekend, and it's like this isn't this isn't gonna happen. He comes in my office. Um, and we, I said, well, you know, I feel like we haven't prayed. We've been trying to do this on our own. And where all of this started was God wanting to work with you, not you working for him. We're not even listening and we're not even asking. We're just trying to figure it out all on, all on our own. Why don't we pray? This is, really, this is a really cute side note. He's like, well, I've been praying. I was like, okay, well, and what's God saying? Well, not like that. It's just like, I really want it to work out. <laughs> you know, like, like my heart really wants it. Kind of that kind of, I was like, well, you need to say something. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was really cute. So anyway, so we pray. And um, that week, 
uh, that weekend, a guy from Nepal, visiting from Nepal, comes, in, comes to our church and he bring, brings his brother in with him. His brother is a Hindu. He had been Hindu. He had become a believer about 15 years prior. He was over here in, uh, in, the, in the States just visiting, uh, had a conference to go to, and then he wanted to bring his brother to church. So him and his brother come to church and, and uh, after service, I'm like, hey, let's get together for coffee tomorrow. He's like, I would love that. And I said, I'd love to hear your story. So we get together and he tells me this incredible story that could that I don't have time to get into here. It is life-changing. Like, book of Acts, miracle. He was like an apostle, Saul. Uh, he was like Saul before he became become an, an apostle that was persecuting the church in Nepal. I mean, shutting down churches, shutting down hospitals. This guy was like a radical, like a fighter of, of, of Christianity. And then in one moment, he has this radical miracle. His wife is healed of a heart condition. She's dying and having a stroke and dying. And they both cry out to Jesus and she's instantly healed her heart, everything. And he has incredible story and said, so she's been given this new heart and he's telling me this story. And he said, and we both decided that with her new heart, we were going to give it to the children in, um, in Kathmandu that are in the slums. And we were going to give it to women that are in brothels that are being um, trafficked. So for the past 15 years, this is what we've been doing. He's telling me this beautiful story of what they're doing. And, um, I was like, man, that's awesome. Oh. And so I said, yeah, you know, I just feel like to share with you kind of my son. Where he's at. So I tell him a little bit about Jed. And he's like, what, could he come over to Nepal? And I'm like, I, I think so. <laughs> I think that would be great. Now look, I don't, I've just met this guy. And I'm getting ready to send my son for summer with a guy that I don't know, that I don't have like a third party going, yes, he's legit. I'm like, you know, but the spirit's like working all this out. I see it all coming together. And so he says, we would love to host him. We would love to have him come. He can work with the children. You know, uh, um, uh, they've, they've helped over 900 children over the past you know, 15 years and 200 women. He can work with the children. He can teach English. He can, and all of a sudden, this incredible thing just opens up. And I get this, I get this text from him. He's over, he's over there now. I get this text from him when he, when he lands. He's like, dad, I need, I need the, the, the scripts for the story of God. I've got to, I've, I've got to take him through the story of God. They're planting it. We're planting a church. Like, what? Yeah, he's wanting to plant a church. So figure that, that the story of God would be, just send the story of God. I'm like, okay, I'll send the story of God. Then he's like, um, uh, a couple hours later, he's like, I need the four Gs too. Send those over. I'm like, where has this kid been? <laughs> okay, we'll get that sent over to you. Then he's like, then uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday afternoon, he's like, all right, we're going and we're looking at all these coffee farms. I'm going to try to help them set up a, a cafe business over here. Uh, we've talked with Kevin at St. Frank, and we're going to get the cafe, get a cafe going for them. We're going to try to export beans. I'm like, who is this kid? He's only 17. Now, here's what I know what happened. The moment that I told him about Nepal, he started crying. And he was like, God is hearing us. God's directing us. Like all those doors that were closing before, he was feeling like, uh, now he's like, Apostle Jed. <laughs> like I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready to, 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 to step into what God's calling me into. And there is something about having clarity 
from God that emboldens you with courage. Like the moment that things are clear, you get this inner conviction that gets translated into an outward courage because it's clear. It's like, God's leading my life. God's directing my steps. I gave him Acts 16 before he left. I said, read it and tell me what you think. And he's like, I'm like, I'm like Timothy. I was like, parts of it, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going on mission. Yes. God's spirit's leading me. Yes. So then he's telling other people, you know, there other people in the church are talking to him. He's like telling them about, you know, what he wants to do with his life. And it's like, it's evolved into this whole other thing of him. You know, is there a degree for a person that wants to just go out and help countries? I'm like, well, perhaps so. There is, you know. So when the voice is clear in our life as a church, as a family, as an individual, when the voice is clear, it results in an inner conviction and a confidence that I can step out and do this because if the voice says, come, you can get out of the boat and you can walk on water. You're walking on the word. If the voice says, come, you can step out of, an, step out of the tomb that you've been wrapped up in in death. If the voice says, come, you have no other choice but to step out, to move, to go. And once you hear it, it's a game changer. It changes it all. It changes everything. And here we're reading about this because of a man by the name of Paul who was sensitive to the voice, knowing not here, not here. And all of a sudden, Luke joins in this journey because he walks right into Luke. And now we have this beautiful un unveiling of, this, of, this, of, the, of how the gospel affects us. Now, I'll wrap it up with one more story and then um, and lead us into a time of prayer. About uh, a year and a half, about a year and a half ago, maybe it was about a year and four months ago, I went through a time where I just wasn't sensing God's, um, like I had gone through it. I had gone through a season where I just felt like I was feeling God's presence constantly and an awareness of him. And there was this constant sense of him revealing to me, um, who he was and what he was up to. And I would read the scripture. It was just like popping with life. And then I, uh, went through a series of about three weeks where it was just like, just wasn't sensing, feeling, hearing nothing. And I, it was, the contrast was so great that I was aware of it. I was like, something's all right. So I mentioned to my mentor, I said, I can't figure out what, you know, what's going on, I'm, I'm, but I'm very sensitive to God. And I'm, I don't know, I, I'm just trying to, he said, well, what's the last time God, that, you, that God spoke to you and directed you into some activity or to do something? I said, well, it was about probably five, five weeks ago. For a long time, I've been hearing him. I've just been feeling like when I walk on Polk Street, I'll sense like this, I have this sense that I have, like if I prayed with people while I was out here, something would happen. Like, it's just like, I, I just felt like a strength. Like I could just walk down this street right here. Like there was an authority. This street was, God was saying, I'm giving you, I'm calling you to it, to, to love this street, to minister in this street. And, and I said, so I've, I've been feeling that every time I walk, in that, walk down the street. And, uh, and then the other day, you know, a couple weeks ago, I really felt like, the, I really, when I was praying one morning, I felt like the Lord said to me, you need to go out, go out on Polk Street and, and pray with people. And I said, and that was kind of the last I heard. And he said, well, how'd that go? How, how did the, the prayer time go? I was like, well, I got really busy. I haven't done that. And, uh, and I said, you know, just to be honest with you, that's not like my gift set. I, you know, there's other people that do that really well. I can pray for them, but it's kind of awkward, you know? So I've, I've wrestled with that. And he said, well, maybe, 
maybe go back to that, what you heard him direct you into, and see if, see if anything happens in that. And I'm like, okay. So I, I, get to the, I get to our church and building, and I kneel down, and I'm praying, I'm getting ready to go out there, and I got to get powered up. You know, I'm like, <sighs> you know, so I'm like praying. I'm like, okay, got to get powered up. We got to go out there and pray with people. Okay, Lord, help us. And so while I'm praying, I have this like, it's just not, nothing super spiritual, spooky. I just had this picture in my, in my head of this you know, like 21-year-old uh, with a bicycle, um, uh, like with a bike standing in, an, in the alleyway and um, uh, Hemlock Alleyway right there off of Polk Street. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm like, that's, I'm like, whoa, well, maybe I'll just, maybe, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. So I get up, I go out, go over to the alley, go over to that alleyway. There's no one there. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So then I'm like, well, I'll just grab a coffee and sit in this little parklet and just see if someone with a bike comes out. So I sit on this parklet, drinking the coffee. All of a sudden, this, this young man walks out of the, of the doorway and uh, steps out and he turns around, and he walks down the alleyway. And I, I just, for a moment, I was like, I think that might be him. What do I got to lose? So I'm like, kind of wrestling in my head, you know, all right, I'm going to go for it. So I get up and I run down, I start walking down the alleyway, but he's nowhere to be found. Like an angel or something's disappeared. So I'm like walking, you know, and there is this, there's like a little, little, like a little, uh, door, doorway that's inset so I, that I didn't see it. As I walked past it, there he is in the, the doorway smoking a joint. And, and I, as I kind of come around, I'm like, oh, hey. And he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, man, you scared me. He's like, oh, you scared me. I was like, oh, I, I, yeah. you know, this is going to seem really awkward. And I can already tell. You, know, you start off with something like that, it even makes it more awkward, right? <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. Um, would you let me have it? No, I'm joking. I, I was like, <laughs> I said to him, uh, you know, I, I, f- I feel like, like if, if you'd be open to it, like, I'd like to pray for you. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah, I, I just, I just feel to bless you. I just feel to pray for you and bless you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. He goes, how does this work? No one's ever prayed for me in my whole life. How does this work? What do you do? I was like, well, I'll say some words <laughs> with my eyes closed. Um, or if that weirds you out, I can keep them open. You know, um, he goes, can, can, I, can I keep smoking while you're praying? I was like, I, I don't care. You know, just, I just want to pray for you. Bless you. So I start, I was like, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? And he's like, sure, that's fine. He goes, that's how you do this? I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. He's like, okay. So he kind of like puts his shoulder out there and I kind of like reach over and put my hand on his shoulder. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 just real quick. I was like, is there anything I can pray for you for? Right, you got to get that in there because otherwise it's going to be like this real awkward thing if you just kind of, you know, but anyway, I was like, um, and he said, yeah, he said, you know, just a few minutes ago, I was standing in the, in the coffee shop and an and a elderly gentleman walks in with what looks like was his grandson. And he said, I just felt really sad because I don't have, um, I, I, want to, I want to have a family and I don't have a family. I don't. I want to be a, he goes, this is weird, but I want to, when I looked at him, I was like, I want to be a grandpa. 
And he said, I just, I, I just want to be a grandpa. And he goes, I don't even have a girlfriend. <laughs> so he said, that's all that's kind of on my heart right now. I was like, well, I'll, 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 I'll pray for you for that, right? So I prayed for him, and, and, and I took that moment, an opportunity just to, just to really highlight this longing of his heart to be a grandfather is a reflection of, right, of, of our king, of, of his heart for us to bring us into his family. So it's just kind of a, you know, this is a beautiful time of prayer. I blessed him. I said, Father, what an honorable thing that he would want to be a grandfather. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't want anything to do with, with their grandparents or they, they're, you know, this is a beautiful thing. And so I just blessed him. And, and when I looked up, you know, he was all misty eyed and he was like, man, that was, that was awesome. I was like, man, awesome. So, you know, I leave, I walk off and go sit down to have my coffee. As I'm sitting there, this homeless guy comes walking up. He's like, Hey, do you got me? You can't make this stuff up. This stuff happens in San Francisco. (laughs) Hey, I was like, yeah. Do you have any crayons? I was like, yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, crayons? He's like, yeah, someone stole my crayons. Do you have any? I was like, no, not right now. I don't. Um, and when I said that, the young, the young guy that I'd prayed for had, had come out and he was standing there at the corner looking at this interaction. He comes running over. Hey, did you say you're looking for crayons? And I was like, man, this is, this is getting really weird. I mean, you know, coffee, pot, crayons. I mean, this is, runs, he says, he says, hey, I'll go get you some crayons. Hold on. And then he looks at me and he winks. He goes, pay it forward, right? (laughs) And he takes off literally running down the street to Walgreens to go get some crayons. He comes back, gives the guy crayons, and he goes, he looks at me and says, man, I just feel so good with that, with that prayer. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to do something for someone else. I was like, man, that is awesome, right? So this beautiful talk, it's awesome. He turns around, walks off, everyone kind of leaves, and then I head back, and as I turn to walk away, no, it's not another San Francisco story. Well, it might be if you think I'm weird, which that's cat's out of the bag on that one anyway. As I turn to walk, I hear the spirit reignite like what I that I feel it and I hear him say to me what I want to teach you you can only experience there's no textbook on this so when I call you to do something it's because I want to give you an experiential knowledge and I was trying to show you about and that that whole that past two weeks I have been teaching on the fatherhood of God And he said, I wanted you to experience a young man's longing for that. And I wanted you to stand in that space and witness that. Because what I wanted to give you, you can only experience. And I was like, oh, that's why his voice is so important in my life. I'm going to tell you something. You can take everything that I have at this stage in my life, I, my education, I mean, my whatever I have financially, relationships, put it all on one side of the scale, load it up, and then put the voice 
all by itself on the other side of that, on the other side of that balance and scale. And it outweighs, for me in my life, it, out, it outweighs everything, everything. Because without it, there's just no life. Without it, there's no now. There's no here. That voice has put all of this into brilliant existence. It's our treasure. And that voice became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word made flesh. The voice of God for us. I'd like to invite you to stand with me if you would. And you may say, how do I, how do I hear God's voice? How do, I, how do I come to discern it? And I think it's, for the most part, how it's been in my life is I just have to stop. I just have to stop. In prayer, I have to stop talking. <laughs> I have to stop doing. I have to be still and know. I have to start looking. It's the, the beloved disciple running into the empty tomb and he looks and he sees and he believes. It's, it's being able to listen with my eyes. I have to go, what, what's going on around me? What's happening around me? And when I do, and he speaks, all the rest I need washes into my heart. All of the, that sense of, of, of returning into, into his, his presence, it, I'm tugged into it. That sense of being forgiven and cleansed, and it all happens as I hear him speaking over me, talking over me. It becomes very intimate and very personal and very real. And the rhythm that we've stepped into to talk about here today is listening. And the, the good news of listening is he's talking. He's speaking. By him, the entire cosmos is held together by his word. His voice holds the cosmos together, holds this moment together. He's speaking here, now. Everything that's at work in this world is at work, whether it's the sun, the moon, the earth, the tides, whatever it is. It's his voice that commands all of it to function and work. He is talking and speaking. And today I sense he's calling us to hear him, to listen to him, and to follow him. Let me pray. Abba, Father, you are among your people. You are in the midst of this moment. You are with us here. We know you're here. We sense you are here. We are awakened to your love for us. A love that echoes from the cross. A love that echoes from the moment where you gave your only begotten son. And we hear in that moment a continuing voice that you love us, that you are directing us, that you have a place for us, a, a mission, a call for us. And today we are so delighted to know and we treasure what you're saying and what you're speaking. And we open up our ears to hear you and we say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears with a desire to obey. Speak, Lord. 
We want to please you. We want to honor you. Speak, Lord. We want to follow what you're calling us to follow. Speak, Lord. We treasure your words. We treasure your voice more than bread, more than stuff, more than prestige, more than political clout. We treasure the voice that speaks over us that says, this is my beloved son in whom I love and him I am well pleased. We treasure the voice that is forming us and shaping us and calling us and directing us. We hold on to that more than anything else. And we sense it over us right here, right now. So I bless your children with ears to hear. I bless their hearts with a softened condition to follow and to be pliable to what you're saying. I bless them with a sensitivity to follow after your spirit as you lead and guide and direct them into where you're leading, guiding, and directing them. I bless them right now with with an awareness that you are talking to them even here, even in this moment. I bless them and bless them and bless them. I bless them, Father, for they are loved by you. They are generously provided for by you. They are taken care of by you. You love them. And so by saying them to be blessed, by pronouncing blessing over them, you are in the thick of that. You are in the whisper of that. You are in the moment of that. So may they be blessed to hear. And may they have courage to follow. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.